on the Harbor One Hotline. It's Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald. Andrew, thanks for joining us at Talking Pat's Patriot. Uh, pa- Pat's mm-hmm. Patriot? Pat's and yes. Patriots. Mm-hmm. Patriots Pat's training Patriot. camp. Uh, so first question I have for you, Andrew, I have to ask about the walkie-talkie situation. Can you just walk us through how often Matt Patricia had it today during which parts of training camp and anybody else that may have had it? It was a small yellow and black walkie-talkie. He kept it in his right hand, and it to the helmet of the quarterback. He doesn't even stand like normal walkie-talkie. It's about 20 to 25 feet. He's got it. He's punched it. It's close. And, uh, yeah, it's going to work out here at training camp. Uh, I, I got to mention one thing about Callahan. Uh, it's Fitzy here. I, I got to give him his props because Tristan Vizcaino was practicing field goal kicking. Nick Folk had the day off, and he was sort of supervising. And he was blasting some from 40, 50 yards away through the uprights, and they were all landing right in the hill where the media was sitting. Callahan, who's got a table, uh, excuse me, a chair turned sideways as his temporary work desk, and he's typing his notes and article, has a football land off his laptop, seamlessly doesn't even stop typing, completely undeterred, total MVP. And then, of course, when he threw the ball back on the field, it was kind of wobbly. Oh, so. oh. And you realize that he was – that's why he's writing. Not that's a why he's writing. Yes. Okay, so here's the thing with me, uh, Andrew, is this whole – and I'm just not going to stop discussing it because if Matt Patricia is the walkie-talkie guy, then he's not coaching the offensive line. Who – is Billy Yates running around with the offensive line, and when they substitute, is he the guy where they all kind of mill around with and kind of – act like a big fat cow because that's what offensive <laughs> linemen do they just mill and hover until they're called into duty who is in charge of those guys yeah it, it's a good question because in in many camps there was a difference between on seven and 11 on 11 on seven joe was the one you know conveying the plays either saying them directly to mac jones or using a walk talkie whatever it was and then matt Patricia was working off to the side with the offensive linemen who are obviously not involved in seven on seven it's been different here in training camp, and the deal is the whole offense kind of congregates around Matt Patricia during 11-on-11 11 11 so far that we've seen, which, again, it's been just two days. And there was one 7-on-7 seven seven period today when it was just Joe Judge running the show, but that's mainly the difference. When the offensive line is separated, so is Matt Patricia. Whenever they're involved or otherwise not busy, that's when he's calling plays without fail. So, Andrew, would you agree with my assessment that, because uh, we were talking Mac Jones earlier, like, Mac Jones has made such a positive impression and looks almost so completely calm and under control now. Team gravitates toward him that we're kind of almost moving on now from how did Mac look to we can just expect the crowd to get hyped for Mac. He comes out and pretty much routinely looks sharp. Like, this is his offense now. This is totally his team. Yeah, I think we've taken a step too far. And first of all, I'll say I do not agree with your assessment of the, the football contacting laptop. I swiftly grabbed it with the left hand corralled it with the right, and the wobble is you know, a little tighter than you conveyed. But what I would say is, going back to Mac, more importantly, I think we're two steps ahead of, okay, Mac's made the year too late. Like, we're talking as if that's happened, and we've seen weeks one through seven already play out, and his completion percentage is, you know, 70%, and his touchdown to ratio is 10 to 1. Like, he, he's had an excellent offseason. Even Bill Belichick waxed poetic, as we all know, about that. But as far as his presence, yes, he's more comfortable. He's confident. Even with the reporters, he's going to deviate sometimes or just, you know, the catalog of cliches that he goes to. And to me, that's indicative of someone who's comfortable, has ownership. And, yes, he looks sharp. I mean, today he was 13 of 14 on passes within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. That's accuracy. That's comfort. That's knowing where you're going to go with the ball. That's what we've seen for two days. But, again, it's just been two days. 
So, Andrew, I want to ask you about the cornerback position uh, because it's one of the bigger question marks in terms of position groups on this roster. Uh, Terrence Mitchell, it sounds like, according to other reports, including Mike Reese from ESPN, that he was working opposite of of Jalen Mills once again with the ones. Uh, do you think that he's the leading candidate for that spot? And how do you see uh, the cornerbacks kind of lining up so far in terms of the pecking order? I think so. You know, again, it's just been two days. Terrence Mitchell has started opposite Jalen Mills in team period. So, but the where we are in terms of training camp preseason, like you compare this to a horse race, we can still hear the echo of the gun going off here. Like there have been maybe four hoof prints there in the dirt as we get started here. And I think what we've seen from Jack Jones, the fourth-round corner out of Arizona State, is enough raw man coverage talent where that's a position where you don't really need to master the whole playbook in order to play well at that position. So a guy who's inexperienced, like, of course, Jack Jones is as a rookie, could step in if he starts to outplay Terrence Mitchell, who's more of a known commodity. And lest anyone forget, the Texans did not want Terrence Mitchell. And part of that is system fit, but that's maybe the most talent-starved roster in the league. So – you know, I think there's definitely a competition on going here. Mitchell's ahead for now. But Malcolm Butler could return to form in a week, and he's ahead. Or Jack Jones, as I mentioned, seizes his job if he comes up, you know, with a more direct uh, trajectory here. Okay, so you mentioned Malcolm Butler, and I know you guys heard from him uh, today, but I, I want to drill in on that a little bit. Were you saying that competition at that cornerback spot is most likely going to be between Jack Jones and his kind of more raw talent and Terrence Mitchell, who's maybe a more established NFL guy but maybe doesn't have the highest talent ceiling in comparison? Yeah, I think so. And, look, I, I would I would guess this competition is going to go into the season. You know, Jack Jones has much higher potential. You know, again, the two veterans. Malcolm Butler's 32. He took a year off. There's some question marks there. But we know what his ceiling looks like. So is, is Jack Jones going to be able to eclipse 75% of what Malcolm Butler used to be? Is that what Malcolm Butler will be? Will it be closer to 90 or 100%? We just don't know. So I think they'll have a rotation here. You know, and, and don't forget about a guy like Jonathan Jones where – They've got a real surplus of defenders in the slot, the way things are playing out now. Maybe he bounces outside and bolsters the depth there, too. So it'll be a rotating cast of characters at corn. Uh, so we're talking to Andrew Callahan from the Boston you know, Herald. I was going to say Megal's old haunting stop spot, whatever. Haunting the, stop. Haunting stop. Again, it's like every day is the Stomping first day you spoke no, English. No, Stomping ground? I, I should just stop where I'm at head. The Boston Herald. Well, I'm in head. Give me a – give me a uh, – Brian, shut up. Uh, give me a uh, give me uh, a an update on Tyquan Thornton. Tyquan Thornton. Well, Tyquan Thornton, the past Patriots receiver, uh, rookie second rounder. He had a good day today. He caught all four of his targets in team drills. You know, most of them were either you know one was a shallow drag, another was a screen, another was kind of a stop route uh, within a concept that every team runs in the league. So nothing was too intricate. But for a guy who didn't have a catch yesterday in team drills. This is an improvement. He's running with a second-team offense. It's usually him and Nelson Aguilar, plus either a second tight end or Trey Nixon. But, you know, you've seen flashes of the speed. I think he can get manhandled and has so far in a couple reps of press coverage against Jack Jones, who we just talked about, and Malcolm Butler. But today was a good step for him, and I think there, there's definitely potential there. Uh, Andrew, if I could uh, sort of, like, pay tribute to yesterday's star of the day and then someone who kind of entered the chat today as well, all the hype on Devontae Parker, and again, it's silly season. There's no pads. Training camp doesn't really start till Monday. But all the hype on Devontae Parker so far seems merited because, to me, it's the Patriots finally decided after three years they took Nikhil Harry back to the store and said, is there anyone – do you guys have one of these that works? Like, like he great body control, good hands, and Mac obviously trusts him early. And then today, uh, 
It's not Josh Bledsoe season yet, but it was great to see him out there making plays and everyone asking, like, oh, who's that over there? Oh, that's Josh Bledsoe. Oh, that's right, the safety from Missouri last year. That kid's got some compete in him. Yeah, Josh Bledsoe also has a big bonus of wearing the number 24, which we know in New England from Ty Law to Darrell Revis. Like, that's a bonus. I think, like, if you wear 24 in New England, you get a plus two in your Madden rating, no questions asked. But, you know, starting with Parker, I think it's important to remember that you know, where were we just talking two minutes ago about the cornerback group? This is a bottom 10 cornerback group in the league. So he success, his success against them is something that I think should be expected for number one. But you're absolutely right in the sense that they want Devontae Parker, and this is a call from someone, you know, within the team I talked to recently. They want him playing like a power forward. You know, use that big body, six foot three, 220 pounds. He's everything that they hope Nikhil Harry would be and maybe a little bit less given his injury history. But if he's going to be the number one, you've got to play like it against the guys like he's been dominating, Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, and Joan Williams. You know, as far as Joshua Bledsoe, he's in that conversation. I just mentioned a surplus of slot defenders. His, his ability to defend the slot and tight end specifically, where he has three pass breakups there, at least is in the area of three forcing completions, all of them are against tight ends, including Jonu Smith. So that's a very valuable area of the field where modern offense is really fighting kind of between the hashes or between the tackles and that 10 you know, to 15-yard area down to the line of scrimmage. If you've got people who can defend in there, you're going to win more often than not on defense. And through two practices, Josh Bledsoe might be moving from the back of the bubble closer towards the middle. All right, so uh, last one for me. So it's only been two days, but it's, and it's hard to kind of evaluate with no pads and the short practices, but is there anybody – that has stood out to you that you didn't expect to stand out? Is there anyone that kind of is shining with, uh, you know, with the, the, the first two practices that you Made didn't you expect? Made you go, hmm, hmm. hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I think the default answer for everyone right now is Joshua Bledsoe um, when you look at him. And the tough part is you'd love to evaluate the defensive and offensive linemen. There's just no pads. There's no real contact. You know, but I would say so far, Ramondre Stevenson, and I, I like I banned myself from my own podcast, Pat's Interference, for talking any more about Ramondre Stevenson because I, I just believe he's he's destined for a huge year two breakout. Through two practices, Christian, he has as many catches and as many targets as anyone on the team. He's got soft hands. He's a natural runner. I think when the pads come on, he'll continue to ascend. And I got to tell you, if you're in fantasy league or you just like the Patriots, get as much of Ramondre Stevenson as you can. And you actually came on this very show last Friday with us in studio, and you declared it Ramondre Stevenson's season, and then that was backed up today by Mondre actually being back, Mego, on kickoff as well. He was fielding kickoffs, Andrew. And in the best shape of his nice life. Oh. He did confirm uh, <laughs> that he dropped a couple pounds, so good for him, him and Fourier and Did anybody here. find out how much Mac Jones can bench? <laughs> we'll do that at the break. Hey, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on with us. Uh, hey, plug your podcast, please, and where we can find all of your work at the Boston Herald. Yeah, thanks, Megger. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Andrew Callahan. The podcast is Pat with P-A-T-S Interference. We just had Mike Giardi on from the NFL Network. Before that, Joe Dolan, a fantasy expert. Tom Curran's been on there. Kevin Clark from The Ringer. Really good cast and crew of everyone around the beat, sometimes inside the team. So Pat's Interference at underscore Andrew Callahan at BostonHerald.com. And that'll do it for me, guys.